This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. As always, welcome back to another episode of HUFC Chat for what is our second episode in six days. Throughout the course of the show, we'll be looking back at our most recent games against Rochdale and Mansfield. Grant from the Low League Look makes his first appearance on the podcast. This and much more to come. But let's start by looking back at the Spotify rap stats, which we received a few weeks ago. And I'll hand over to you, Jack, to talk us through this rather exciting bit of news. Well, if you're anything like me, Daryl, you love a bit of insight like this. And I know we watched this together. That sounds incredibly sad, but we're on FaceTime. We looked at the uh, Spotify wrapped little video they put together for you. So we put a tweet out um, a little bit earlier on, just highlighting some of the key things that stood out to us. And honestly, I did not expect these stats. Um, it, it honestly puts into perspective how much the podcast has grown over the year, how much work has gone in and the output of that are these um, stats that we've seen, which means a lot to us because, as we say, we love doing this, but also the effort that has gone in has, in the end, given us um, some really tangible stuff to take away. So without sounding like a business, I'm just going to read out our KPIs from this year. So... Firstly, we've got we're in the top 31% of sports podcast content producers with 814 minutes of content produced. I must emphasize that this is from a few weeks ago. Um, so therefore there's been more stuff done since. But secondly, we're in the top 25% of podcasts shared globally. We were in the top 10% of most followed podcasts now the second tweet out of this thread is my favorite we produce 252 percent more hours of content than the previous year there was a 175 percent increase in stream content 82 percent increase in our followers on spotify so thank you to every single one of you who've done that there's a 16 percent increase in people who listen to hfc chat now, these last three stats here that I'm going to read out to you, um, 
a very three very important stats. So we were the number one podcast for 168 of our listeners. So to put that into context, they might listen to any number of podcasts, but we ranked number one in their time spent listening to that. Then we were the number five podcast for 298 fans. And then we were a top 10 podcast for 329. I mean, Davo, it's mad, isn't it? Like, you know, in in correlation to and like alongside having all these stats come along on Monday after Rochdale game. Now we are about to do the Rochdale review, but we were just standing there talking, weren't we, as people were leaving and some lad comes up to us and we don't do the podcast for any sort of recognition for anything like that. Um, but to have some lad come up to us and go, are you the lads from the podcast? And then for him to proceed asking us for a picture, like it's just madness. I mean, we never ever expected that type of recognition at a game and it kind of topped off what was an incredible away day. And and that's what we're going to go on to now. So Rochdale away for me was yet again a game of two halves, yet again a, a performance from pools that we've probably got used to over the years when we would one half play fantastically, second half or vice versa, we would not be showing the same quality that we did previously. Um, you know, that first half for me was one of the best halves of football I've seen from Pools this season. I thought we were absolutely fantastic the way we were moving the ball about, the way we were absolutely battering them. You know, we took a deserved lead into the into the halftime break. I thought, you know, looking at the way we were playing, we should have arguably been two or three nil up. Um, it was one of them performances, as we'd said, are we going to actually score here? And thankfully, Big Rolling gets up there with a fantastic header, unbelievable header, puts it in, sends pulls away and into carnage, um, as we always love to see. So that was um, great. And it was brilliant to go into halftime thinking, wow, you know, we are actually fully dominating here and we are looking like a team playing much further up the league than we actually are. And, you know, we we were hopeful that the second half would be a replication of that. And unfortunately, it wasn't. Yes, we showed some glimpses, but it was just the polar opposite, like it was when we went to Rochdale last season. And at one point, I genuinely thought this is going to be such a pulls thing to do that we will go into this second half and we won't be the same as the first half. And it just felt like, it was so easy for them. It was a complete opposite to what had happened in that first half of us battering them. They looked so dangerous when they really shouldn't have been. Um, thankfully, and as I said to the boys before he took it, Callum Cook is going to bury this. And it was absolute carnage, like limbs everywhere. Like it was unbelievable just to see that away end go up like it did for Cookie to come over and all the players to fly over as well. And there was just a sense of unity, wasn't the Davo? I mean, it was like, this is what it's all about. We're in this together. We're in this battle together. And look, I've heavily criticised 
the squad this season. And practically all the time, without being funny, it's being perfectly justified. But one thing I do want to say and put on record this podcast is every single one of those players in that game gave it everything they possibly could. Now, for me, as long as a player gives 110%, if your talent, you know, isn't of the highest level or as of the level of other people in the squad, you know what? Not that I couldn't care less, but I'm not as bothered because you've given everything for that shirt and you've given everything for that football club in that 90 minutes. And look, it wasn't the full 90 minutes, but I real, really, really, really saw a sense of unity um, after that game as well and the Pools fans once again just made you so proud to have nearly 700 there in attendance on a miserable miserable day Um, you know it, it was just it was needed it was really needed and once again I found myself seeing Pools pick everyone up and it just felt right again now we will talk about Mansfield later on and that was obviously much more of a frustration and and there wasn't a result that we wanted from that but one thing I will say coming away from Monday is it reaffirmed to me with a couple of signings in January we are going to be more than okay and I really genuinely believe in Keith Curl the management and the squad as a whole to get us out the position that we will and that we're in currently and to start to climb that league a little bit more. And with that, Davo, I pass the mic over to yourself. Well, you haven't exactly left me much to say, have you now, Jack? <laughs> well, this is it. But in all seriousness, um, you have recapped it pretty well. Um, you've said Mansfield was frustrated, but so was Rochdale to a point, and you've alluded to it. Mm. It was just the fact that, and I don't mean this in any disrespect to Rochdale, but we made them look so poor in the first they half. Crap. They were awful. Even less than that. So going in at half time was a real opportunity for us to regroup, get back out and go again. Mm. So to see us kind of drop off the way we did in the second half and let them come back was so, so frustrating. But it's been the story of our season. And again, we'll allude to it in our Mansfield um, review. Um in all due respect, I'll give them credit. It was a well-took goal for their for their finish. It was a good finish. I mean... It was too easy in build-up. Oh, 100%. But, like, the actual finish, I mean, nine times out of ten, that could go anywhere. So, it was a really good, calm finish to, to get it in the back of the net. But, like you've said, that first half was probably one of the best first halves I've seen this season from Pearls. Desire, tempo, quality. It was all there. And no one, but no one came away with anything bad to say. No, and, exactly. And can I just give a quick shout out to Mo Silla as well? I'll let you touch on this because I've talked enough, but Mo Silla, oh my word, he was incredible. Our French midfielder is absolutely class. Now I'm going to let you touch a little bit on his performance because I've talked so much at this point, but how good was he? Do you know what? This season, it's been a lot about, well, humour, cook, you know, players who have maybe contributed but you cannot, we cannot as a fan base, underestimate the signing of Mo Silla. In that midfield, he has been unbelievable. The desire that he has in and out of possession 
running back, throwing himself into challenges. He has been ultimately an banging signing. Mm. And it's people like who people like more who have obviously come from where did we sign him from again? It's a very good question. You put us on the spot there. I, can't. I, want, I want to say the National League. I want to say something like Aldershot, but I could be very wrong. Yes, it was. I think he did he get released from Aldershot? I think it was. We could be very wrong. If we are wrong, then we do apologise. However, he's in the super direct now, so that, that's all. That well, matters. this is it, and that's all that matters done at the end of the day. However, he's coming at the blue and white, prove a little bit of pressure on him because we know nothing about him as a player. Mm. But honestly, unbelievably great shift. Um, just like many games this season, but ultimately the game was decided by the set piece. Callum, James, Cook. I mean, what a finish. And I think that just sums up um, the run of form that he's been in recently over the last month and a bit. Um, great way to win the game. Absolute scenes in the away end. And ultimately it was a great end to the Christmas festivities, Jack. Definitely. And, I think it's about time now that, you know, we push on and and I, I genuinely, as I've said already, believe that we will be absolutely fine. Well, we will now discuss our moment of 2022 from the podcast point of view. And before I give mine, I'm going to give the mic back to you, Jack. I mean, how has this year been for you with HUFC chat? Being special, mate, really special. It's something that I look back on with a lot of pride. Um, a lot of time, energy has gone into it. As we regularly say, I think I'm not I'm not quite sure it, and this isn't a dig, I'm not quite sure people understand how many hours actually go into producing an episode. You know, we we spend a lot of time on FaceTime discussing what we want to include in um in episodes we want to keep it relevant to you we want to spark discussion debate want to give our opinions want to get people on who we think will add to the podcast add value to the podcast we want to try and get club people on when we can when you look at the stats that we did earlier I mean it just blows you away really um in terms of a moment of 2022 for the podcast it's a difficult one, it really is. I mean, as the massive fans that we are of Tom Crawford, I mean, I've obviously been able to record with Crofts twice. Getting Stephen Hoban on was really good to have someone at a higher level um, in terms of the board members. Um, it was great to listen to what he had to say. I think for me, the highlight of 2022 for the podcast will have to be a very, very recent thing. And I'm going to go with the return of HFC chat because when we left and decided not to do the podcast for the foreseeable, I didn't quite put, I didn't quite realise how much I would miss it, how much I love doing it, how much it means to people. Seeing people come up to us at games, seeing, I mean, as I've said, <laughs> a lad asking us for a picture at Rochdale. I mean, we never would be able to expect to have that impact. And it's not about that for me. It's coming back, recording with me best pal um, about the football club that we love. And, you know, it's just so, it's a privilege 
and it sounds cliche, it sounds corny, but it is because we are providing something to the fan base and we are getting to talk about what we love in HFC and and obviously it's been tough in recent times following the club. Um, it's probably been a good thing that we weren't recording podcasts at the time of how bad we've been because I probably would have said something I regret. Um, but yeah, in all honesty, my moment of 2022 is the return of HFC chat because nothing beats talking for hours on end about your football club with your best pal. So yeah, I'm going to go with that one, Davo. I know I can see the tears streaming down your face here as I mentioned that. But um, yeah, what was your moment that stands out most for you? Wow. And I mean, we've had plenty. I mean, you've already mentioned uh, Stephen Horburn, the Crawford. But just a few we didn't mention. Obviously, we had the the joy of having to recap Bristol, having to talk to David Ferguson, getting the that insight from the players' point of view, the team's point of view. Um, we were also very fortunate and had the privilege of sitting down with Gavin Houlihan and talking yeah. to Gav about his time at Pools. And obviously, many, many more great moments. And it's, like you said, it's been unbelievable this year just to see us grow. Um, on the mic, off the mic, getting one K on Twitter was something that we can never underestimate. My moment of 2022. I do like your thinking, Jack. I'm, I am going to sit put it out there. I mean, the return of HFC chat. I mean, this is really, really difficult because we've had that many moments, and it's. Oh. You know what? It's it's. I, I don't think I can. I think we've had that many good moments and those you've mentioned, those I've mentioned, ultimately the return, you know, it's it goes without saying how much I've missed not being at the mic, recording content, having people come up to me, not talking about like how good it was, but like I've said in the, in the past, but like when is it coming back? Oh, I don't think I can. I don't think I can pinpoint one episode because there's that many. No, we've many great, enough. You know, we've had many great opportunities that we've been humble to have yeah and heading into 2023 we just hope that you know as a podcast will continue to grow as a podcast we'll be able to continue bringing to you these player interviews we don't just do that because you know it means that we get to have a chat with a, a footballer of the club that we love but we also do it because we realize how important that connection between those who represent you on the pitch and the people off the pitch and at the end of the day, with the Towns Club. So it's kind of our way of being able to um, bring that into it and and bring something to you as listeners. Um, that, as we've said, we're, we've been extremely grateful for this year and fingers crossed that we can push on heading into 2023 and, and it'll be another successful one and perhaps in a year's time we'll, we'll have had even more growth. So watch this space, but been a year of incredible memories for HFC chatting and we can't wait to bring you much more heading into the new year. It wouldn't be a New Year's Eve episode of HFC chat without discussing the transfer window, which opens tomorrow at the time of recording. Um, I'm just going to read this tweet from On This Day HFC. So there are four former Pools players linked with the club ahead of the transfer window. So we've got Matty Dolan from Newport, Brad Walker from Port Vale, Peter Hartley, who is now a free agent after mutually cancelling his contract um, with the club that he was in. I think it's in India. I'm not fully sure on that one. Um, and also 
news came out yesterday that Neil Byrne has been apparently told that he can leave the club, whether that be on loan or in a permanent. Now, when I look at these four names, I would have every single one of them back at HFC without a shadow of doubt. Um, I don't think we need to discuss where pools need to strengthen, um, specifically because we've done this on numerous occasions for the past few episodes. So, Devo, I think for this section, what we'll do is we're, we're just going to... I'll ask you and I'll give my thoughts on these four players. Um, so we'll start with Matty Dolan, obviously a player that used to play for Pools back in the day. An experienced player, someone who I think would be a calm um, head, someone who would be able to help lead the squad in the right direction and ultimately some much-needed um, reinforcements at the back line. So, first and foremost, Davo, would you have Matty Dolan back at Pulse? And secondly, well, let's go with this as well. What do you think about ex players coming back to a club? Well, I'll start with that last question first about what do I think about ex Pulse? Well, I think one obvious positive about that is that, i.e., especially with Matty Dolan, he's a hard to pull boy. So, coming back to Pulse, he knows exactly what the expectations are of us as fans. He understands the situation that the club is now in, so he could come in and more than easily have a positive impact on the club. Would he be someone I thought of originally to come into Pills? Absolutely not. But given his experience, the quality that he has, I'd welcome it. If it helps us regain Football League status for next season, I'm happy for Matty Dolan to come into this football club 100%. Definitely. I mean, one player that I'm excited about off this list, and I do hope it comes off, is Brad Walker. A player that, when he left, I was a big fan of him. Um, Obviously playing much more of an attacking role at the time, but someone who could play centre-half for us, I think. Um, You know, a player that, again, has been there in the Great Escape. Granted, he was there when we went down as well, but I think Brad would be a really solid addition to the club and and someone that I'd really like to see come in. I think he's changed a lot as a player since he's left the club and he's someone that, yeah, I'd be really positive about if he he did come back. I mean, for me, the player that stands out out of those four to me most would be Neil Byrne. Now, he left for, understandably... um, and as we were told, he left for family reasons to be back close to his family. So that already poses the argument, would he want to do that? Would he want to move all the way back? We don't know exactly what's gone on behind the scenes uh, previous to this as well. So can I see it happening? Probably not. Do I really want to see it happen? Yes, 110%. think he's a fantastic player. I think we've missed him a lot. I think him and Rollin would be class at the back. Davo, just... You know, not to get hung up on the whole conversation, but perhaps just talk us through Brad Walker, Peter Hartley, Neil Byrne, and what your thoughts are are on those other three players. I mean, first and foremost, starting with Neil Byrne, someone who was unbelievable for us last season, arguably one of our player of the seasons, at least in my opinion. So that is definitely something that, from my opinion, I'd like to welcome and entertain. But I think you've posed the biggest stumbling block in anything, which is obviously he moved down to Tramia, down to the world to be closer to his family. So I think for me personally, this would be a non-starter. Um, I don't think Neil would would come back. In regards to Peter Hartley, obviously he spent the last couple of seasons out in India. 
Um, he's now at the age of, I think it was a 33, 34, I believe. 34, I think, yeah. 34 years old. I think, again, he, Hartlepool lad, he understands what we as fans expect. You know, he'd come here, no doubt, give 100% and do everything in his power to help us move forward. So I think if you're asking me, would I take Peter Hartley on a short deal, maybe till the end of the season with an option to review it after the the season finishes, then yeah, I would. I think despite his age, he'd do a job. And I think it would be quite fitting as well, actually, for him to come back and potentially end his career in that blue and white jersey. Who else did you mention, Jack? Brad Walker. Oh, and finally Brad Walker. Again, someone who I think has matured a lot, grown a lot since he left Pools. I think he'd definitely come back to the club a much better player than he left. And that's no disrespect to Brad. I think in his time at at Pools, sorry, we know what he was about. Um, scored some good goals, infamously the one at South End away when he just volleyed it, I think, at the edge of the area. I think, again, he'd be someone who would come here, give 100%. So I don't think these players in question would ever come back and we'd have to question their motive or their work rate because I think anyone we've mentioned would come to pools and, and help us move forward. But again, this is just gospel. Um, but all we can do really is wait and see what the transfer window has to offer for Pools. Yeah, it's a crucial one, as we've touched on many a time, and that's really why I don't want to go too much into it. It, I think it's probably the first time that when I've seen a list of four ex-players that are linked with the club, I'd have every single one of them back. So we will see what happens. We'll see whether there's any movement up top in the striker department, forwards department. I think we, you know, we really need a winger um, in at the club who's going to be able to put them balls in. I think players like Jack Hamilton before this point would I have said keep him if we can do I probably would have said no but now I'm firmly foot in the other camp I think he's been fantastic recently and um, added a lot to the squad Um it'd be interesting to see whether we keep hold of Josh Umara it'll be a very very interesting one and, and if he was to go would we be able to and bring someone in the likes of Luke Armstrong, for example. But I'm sure this will all be discussed when we welcome on Grant a little bit later on. So I think now um, we'll leave that conversation and just see what see what develops. But hopefully some players shipped out, hopefully some people who come in and can really, really um, take this football club forward and, and keep fighting the fight and drag us away from this battle that we currently find ourselves in. Well, it's great to welcome Grant. Great to have you on for your first appearance on the podcast. But before we go any further, perhaps you can tell us a bit more about your Hartley story, how it all started and where you travel to and from on a match day. Certainly can, Dav, will we? I'm, I mean, it all started. I was born, mate. That was it. <laughs> Is there any other story for anyone, any other Hartlepool fan? I'm, it's not a club you choose to support. We're just born bullies. I'm, but... I've been going down for years and as long as I can remember, to be fair. So I've been a, I was a season ticket holder through, I'll say, the good days of the noise. I'm leading up to the playoff final. I'm, I travel down from Scotland as and when I can. I'm, it used to be absolutely every single week that I came. I'm with my dad and my granddad. Sat used to sit over in the old bucket seats in the mill house and then moved over. I'm into the Cyril Knowles stand, kind of when my granddad couldn't get up with the old seats anymore. I've seen, I've seen some good times. I've seen some bad times. I'm, I just I love the club. 
absolutely love the club. Yeah, I think we completely resonate with that one. And this is a huge question to follow on, but where do you feel the blame lies for the position that we currently find ourselves? I know you've watched the interview with Raj that came out the other day. I mean, what did you take from that? What what were you left thinking after after you heard what he had to say? Um, do you know what? Overall, I thought the, the, the Raj speaks really well. Um, I always think he comes across great. Um, but some of the things that he sometimes says come off completely wrong. Um, two quotes obviously stick in mind. One previous playoff budget quote. Um, I think that's rubbed everyone up the wrong way this season. And then the more recent quote that's came out um, this week about our previous manager, Dave Challoner, saying that his fist pumps um, were only to, to get everyone against Raj. I, I, I don't think that's true. Um, I, I don't believe a single word of that. Everyone was getting behind Dave. Dave loved the club. I um, even said that in his interview when he came back and he, he spoke to Robbie. I had a hell of a lot of time for the fans here and a hell of a lot of time for the club. So um, I, I don't believe that for one second. Um, but where the blame lies, I, I, don't, I don't put the blame on Raj at all. Um, I put it firmly with one man and one man only, and that's Paul Hartley. Um, I was very Hartley in at the start. Um, I called it back in May before he came in. I put a tweet out saying Hartley in, great, announced Hartley. Um, and then loads of my mates who are Falkirk fans went, no, I live in Falkirk as well, so I live in Falkirk, support Hartlepool. It's two places that he's probably hated the most just now. <laughs> um, everyone was messaging me going, what are you doing? Like, Why are you supporting him coming in? Um, he absolutely destroyed Falkirk, signed a lot of players, got rid of folk who were good for the club, signed a lot of players who were useless, destroyed our youth system. I mean, he will do the same to you, and he's so good at convincing people that his idea is the right idea. Um, and He's very narrow-minded that way. And it's I get so many messages going, I told you so. When he up when he ended up leaving and with who he brought in. So yeah, Paul Hartley's where it lies for me. Solely. Very, very interesting. But fast forwarding now, and we both know you were there on Thursday night against Mansfield. What were your thoughts and feelings coming away from that defeat? Oh, that's what I said to you. I was after the game, Davo. I was so frustrated at that. I um, I don't think we played badly at all. I think we had a, I think we had a decent game first half. We controlled the game. I um, we should have put more chances away. I um, we should have been a lot more clinical in the first half, and we deserve to be more than one 0 up. I am um, going in second half. Usual for us. We started really really sloppy. Really, really slowly, Mansfield changed things up. They put resorts straight on Tumulty, and we ultimately paid for that because he tore us apart. Put a great finish, finish that we know Oates is going to score every single day of the week. No one can give him that space. Um, yeah, I was I was so frustrated that we just didn't bounce back. Um, for the first time looking back on the match, again, I think, Subs were maybe a bit wrong. I am, um, and it's the first time I've really came out and said I think Keith Cole maybe got it a little bit wrong in that game. 
coming into the second half. Um, I hate saying that because I've got a lot of time for Keith Carroll. I think he's done a great job with us. No, 100%. I mean, in terms of the subs and stuff, do you think taking Umar off as early as we did, do you think that was a big mistake? I don't think that was a mistake. Um, I don't think he had a massive... It, it wasn't as effective as he has been. And Hamilton probably had his best game for us. So I, I think mm. keeping Hamilton on, if we were going to keep a bigger guy up front, was 100% the right call. Um, yeah, it, it was just a, it was a tough one, switching, switching formation back out. I think we changed that back four. Mm. Um, I thought Shelton was effective in what he was doing. Um, yeah, I, I just wasn't sure on the reason for the change. Then our hand was forced with Sterry. I'm getting injured again. Hopefully he's not out for long. Yeah. I'm and he's he's back up and, and playing again soon for us because he's a really important player for us. Really important player going forward. I mean, fingers crossed, as you say, Sterry's not out for too long because it was really interesting. It was great to see him open up as we talked uh, with Rob Law in the last episode. You know, he was talking about how Jamie was so open with fans, how he struggled with the mental battles of, of not being able to play, not being able to affect things, hearing that fans may be doubting his commitment to the club. And I think it's very easy when you are in a situation that we're currently in to be potentially saying a player doesn't want to be here because he's injured. I know I've been guilty of this and I have honest hands on, you know, hands up. I've said in the group that we're in, I've said do you think Jamie Sterry, and I proposed it as a question, do you think Jamie Sterry really wants to be at the club? Now, having heard his interview, that kind of reaffirmed things. Yes, he does. I think you always worry as well when he's one of your best players. We know full well Jamie Sterry is capable of playing at a much higher level yeah. than Artipool United. So, you know, it, it's a difficult one and we hope that he's back um, as soon as possible. But as me and Dav have discussed earlier on in the episode, we've been linked with some ex-players such as Matty Dole and Brad Walker. I mean, it's kind of a, two questions here. First of all, what are your thoughts on bringing ex-players back in this situation? I mean, do you think it could help us? Brad Walker was obviously part of the Great Escape and, of course, our relegation out of the Football League. And added on to that, once you've answered that, would you know who would you like to see us bring in in January and where do you think we need to strengthen most? It's a good one. Um, Ex-players coming back. A lot of folks say don't go back, but if the players are coming back can make a difference to what we need, I don't see why not. Um, Matty Dolan would make a, a massive improvement to us. It's, there's no hiding that we need centre-backs. Um, and Matty Dolan's pretty much been loved at every single club he's been at. I know he's probably not been getting as much game time at Newport this season um, than he maybe should have been. He's a very, very capable centre-back. I think we've got two or three centre-backs. We've got one fit centre-back at the moment. Um, so I would 100% welcome him, in, uh, welcome him back in. And the other man that everyone's talking about is big Pete Hartley as well. I am... Um, if he comes back in, I will be buzzing. He will be the general at the back that I am that we've been missing this season. He will organise it, he'll shout at people, he'll rough people up. I am, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd really like it. Brad Walker, interesting one, because he's changed so much as a player since he left us. He left us as an attacking midfielder, but then we had to drop him back. And I think... Pressure was getting to him a lot and he had to get away from Hartlepool. 
because people were getting on his back. Um, he's developed hugely as a player. I've loved watching him. Um, now as a kind of defensive midfielder, as a centre-back, someone who gets the club, who loves the club. If he can come back and make and show that the improvements he's made, he is almost like a what a replacement could be potentially for Nicky Featherston, who's coming towards the end of his career, who it might not be at the club next season. So we really need to look forward for people like that who we can come in and maybe replace long-term. And Brad Walker, I can see, is a longer-term replacement for people, whereas people like Peter Hartley might be to the end of the season. Matty Dolan might just be to the end of the season. I don't know what the what these kind of contracts are going to be that are going to be offered. But it's all about, for me, getting a team that can, can be more competitive this season and every name that I've heard flying about is going to fit. Who would I want to see? I mean, everyone says the ideal player to come in would be Luke Armstrong, wouldn't it? But is the budget there to pull a man from Harrogate, a relegation rival, who's just signed a three-year deal with him? That's the big question for me. I am, that would be amazing if that came off. But, I mean, there's already players signing for other relegation rival teams. We've seen Nichols leaving to go to Gillingham. I am, there's other players potentially rumoured to be leaving Crawley to go to Gillingham as well. I am, it's a crazy transfer window already, so I wouldn't rule out us doing some crazy business as well. Well, time will certainly tell. Obviously, transfer window opens tomorrow. But on that note of tomorrow, it is New Year's Day. It is Harrogate at home in League Two. Grant, what are your thoughts going into it? And can we please have a prediction? Do you know what? It's a game I'm excited for. Six-pointer. Um, again, like Rochdale was, it was a massive six-pointer for us. Um, I predicted at the very, very start of the season that Harrogate would go down. Um, they've been a strange team this season. They'll either roll over or they will smash someone, score three. Um, they're a really, really bizarre team, so I think this one could go anyway. Um, if you pluck a score, do you know what? Two-one pulls. Definitely take we're, that. We're, we're at home. We're going to win. Exactly. I mean, the thing that is most frustrating about Pulls this season, I'm sure you'll agree, and we've discussed many a time, whether that be on the podcast or whether at a game or whatever, is the fact that so many times we have shown so much promise and actually thought, you know, mm-hmm. these players, I thought they were absolutely useless, a lot of them, but this game, we've actually turned up and we've shown we can play some really good football. I think Rochdale was a great example of it. I know there's other examples that I could use, but the first half at Rochdale, I was like, I'm not watching pulls here the way we're playing. It was brilliant. So for me, it's a case of with a few reinforcements and it'll be interesting to see whether anyone comes in before kickoff, whether we've agreed any contracts in place and that it can be announced in time for match day. I don't know how that works. Um, for Chandy's plates to come out and his knife and fork. Um, exactly. I'm just going to be refreshing my Twitter all day in New Year's Day. I'll be sitting at dinner getting told off by my wife. <laughs> I think it'll be disappointing if no one comes in at this point. But yeah, look, heading to 2023, it's a year where, first and foremost, we've got to pull away from the scrap that we're in. We did finish last season in 17th, and we were so disappointed with that because we'd shown so much more promise. The squad as a whole was much more capable. Um, and I think, <laughs> granted, at the start, we were so good at home under Chaloner, and that really helped us to push on. We weren't good away from home, but then we had some positivity through the cup runs, such as Palace away. We had the Papa John's stuff. Oh, brilliant times. Incredible times. And 
I just wonder what your thoughts are heading into 2023. I mean, what at the end of the season, what is the ideal outcome for you? I mean, the obvious thing would be to say not get relegated, but where do you actually, with a few reinforcements like the players that we've discussed, where do you see us finishing up? I, I mean, I said the other day, I can see us climbing. I can see us climbing a bit above up the table. I don't see anything drastic. I, um, I don't see us getting top half. But I can see us climbing above your likes of Crawley, Harrogate, Newport, possibly Crewe. I would take 16th, 17th every day of the week I'm to finish. I do think the quality is there for us to do it. I get laughed at. I'm on the our, my lower league look, 606 space. I am a few weeks back because I said, right, how many points do you think pools are going to get over the next, I think it was the next eight games towards the end of the year? I was like, I marked down all of them and I'm like, 15. I think you're going to get 15 points. I mean, you've had to get 15 points all season. And I was marking off the games where I thought, right, we'll get points out of this, points out of this. But it turned out to be nine. One of the games has been postponed to be in Newport. That's a winnable game for us. And mm-hmm. if we'd have finished on 12 out of 15, I would have I would have been very very happy with that. I am, um, but look, the season's still young. We're only halfway through. There's a lot of football still to be played. We're a much improved team to what we were at the first half of the season already. That's without any additions. I don't see any reason why we can't climb the table. Definitely, and fingers crossed that we end that season much further up than we are now. Hopefully, some good times to come in results. Obviously, we're out of the Cups, uh, apart from the FA Cup, but you never know. We could get a few reinforcements in and and who knows what will happen in the Stoke game. We might get manage to get a result there and then we just keep pushing. We know how much, as last season showed, how much a Cup run can fuel a good feel-good factor around the club, how the players can all of a sudden become even more motivated, even more positive. So... I just hope that that's the case and Grant, all that's left to do is thank you very much for your time. If you do want to give your lower league look a little plug now, that's fantastic. And obviously me and Davo wish you all the best heading into 2023. Well, look, guys, thank you very much for having us on. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure coming on. I'm, hopefully I'll get to do it again at some point before the end of the season. And more than happy if any of you guys want to come in and join in on our lower league look 606 spaces. I'm, it's like your 606 here on 5 Live, but for League 2 teams, we're going to branch into League 1 in next season as well because we know that our teams don't get the, the publicity that they deserve. So it's a chance for fans to come on and speak I'm about their games after, debate it out with other teams as well. I'm Anyone that's listening, feel free. You know, if you do, give us a follow. I'm at Lower League Look and more than happy to join us and the wee community that we are building up there as well. Two nights ago, as we all know, we took on Mansfield Town at home in League Two at the South Direct Stadium, which obviously ended in a 2-1 defeat. And if ever frustrating was the word, then it is certainly so in this situation. First half performance, I thought... I thought we were good. Similar to Rochdale, I thought we started with good quality, good tempo, good desire. And I thought with that form of application, I thought we were in for a, a positive night. Not necessarily us winning, but I thought we could have got a result of some description. And again, from another set piece, we take the goal in in good style. A really good header from, from Hamilton. And like you've rightfully said already in this show, Jack, I think his last few performances... I think that goal was definitely warranted from Jack Hamilton. 
And I'm not sitting here saying, yeah, we outplayed Mansfield in that first half, because we didn't. Mansfield were still getting in behind pretty easily and they were still carving out good chances. Um, I think they had one just where just missed the post, just went wide of the post. Um, I think the only other moment for the first half for me, I think Josh Umara, he had a chance where he drove in the box and he got his shot off and forced a good save from the goalkeeper. But ultimately, we went into half-time looking good with a, with a nice 1-0 lead with an opportunity to, to kick on in the second half, maybe get a second goal or to just maybe try and you know get through the next 45 minutes. But in typical Pools fashion, that wasn't to be the case. Started the, the second half all over the shop. We'd lost everything, the desire, the tempo, the, the, the determination that I mentioned all went and we just allowed Mansfield to get into the game pretty early on. And within the first couple of minutes, um, Resorts had time, space to finish off. And he did finish it quite nicely, quite well, I must add. Um, but to concede in the manner we did, it came from a Jamie Sterry throwing on, on my side, the Millhouse side. Just the whole manner that we, we went on to concede the second goal as well. And the time that he had just to run in ahead of Featherstone, knocked the ball in, I just think summed up the second half really. And I think if anything, and I've been very, very complimentary of, of Keith Kerr, but I think he's got to take some element of accountability. I just think the alterations that he made, the formation changes going to a flat four, which I didn't quite understand. I thought we looked pretty comfortable. We looked pretty good with a back five, albeit I know that consisted of Mark Shelton at centre-half. Now, I'm not saying Mark Shelton was unbelievable, but he could have been a lot worse. And I thought he was pretty steady away, shall we say, I think would be the the right word to use. But ultimately, I think with the tactics, but the tactics, the formation changes, and ultimately the post-performance, I just think we lost our way. Now, I will say, before I hand over to Jack, um, or just before that Callum Cook incident on our side, I'm not quite sure what happened, but you could quite clearly see the game was getting really feisty. And obviously that got the fans behind. And I thought ultimately the players responded to that. And ultimately we started to show a little bit of composure. We start we started to show a little bit of dominance, but ultimately, you know, we huffed and puffed. We we didn't carve many opportunities out in the second half. Um I mean, ultimately, we didn't carve out many opportunities in the whole game, from my opinion, but ultimately, it wasn't to be, and, and Pools sadly lost 2-1. Obviously, Jack, I know you were at home watching on iFollow. I mean, have you got similar views, or do you did you see the game in a different light? Well, I won't be using the word, word ultimately as much as you will. That's the most I've heard, so I want to say ultimately <laughs> in the space of uh, 30 seconds in my life. But anyway... Um, I'm, you know, quite accustomed to saying something like 110% or, you know, so we all have our uh, faults here and there, don't we, Davo? Um, but yeah, in all seriousness, watching it on the stream, I think first half we, we looked pretty decent. I thought we played some good football. We deserved the lead, in my opinion. I think it was a fantastic header from Hamilton. Obviously, second goal for the club, um, first one in the league. The other one coming at Solly Hull away in the cup, but I, I thought he's, as I've said, 
in this episode, he's someone who's really improved and it's great to see that he's got more confidence. He, he's playing much better football. Um, I just think that it was, it did have some elements of Rochdale again um, in terms of we've played well for 45. Don't get me wrong, we didn't set the world on fire, but I didn't expect us to do. Mansfield are a much a team with much higher quality than the likes of Rochdale and, you know, they had pace, they were direct. Never liked to see Reese out scoring against us. Um, that's never good. It's disappointing, but as I said on my personal Twitter, I, I didn't think we were awful. That 15-minute patch after our time was where the game was lost. Unfortunately, again, showed the lack of quality as a squad as a whole. You know, you've got Clark Adore, and I know he's going back with his loan finishing, but you've got Clark Adore on the bench. If you're going to take someone off, I'd have put him on and, and got Tumulty off. Like... I'm not going to delve much into that because every single person who listens to this podcast and every single person associated with Alipool United knows exactly what I'm trying to get at. But as I've said with the whole transfer talk, hopefully it's the last time we do see a few of them. But I thought Mo Silla again was class. Cookie was solid. I think, excuse me, I think at points he... Not going to lie, I thought he was going to close to getting a second yellow card. I love to see the passion from him. I think it's fantastic. I think he was a brilliant player um, on the night. I think he is a brilliant player overall. He's really starting to show what he's capable of. And I think Hamilton, as I've said, worked really hard up top. But look, at the end of the day, I think, as I've already highlighted, it was a reflection of the squad quality as a whole the fatal, fatal mistake of not having enough centre-halves signed in the summer has come to hinder us. Um, but yeah, look, we didn't embarrass ourselves. It was just a frustrating result. And as far as I'm concerned, we go on to Harrogate with confidence and taken from Boxing Day and parts of our performance in... Um, in the game against Mansfield and obviously the win at Crawley. So it perfectly leads us on actually Davo to the Harrogate review, which as is customary, you will be taking the lead on that one and then we'll give our predictions and that'll be another episode of HFC chat wrapped up. But for me, as I've said, it was just disappointing to see how we capitulated at the start of the second half and, and that's ultimately what cost us. I mean, I don't like to make excuses, and I'm just going to say this quickly before we do move on to the preview, but obviously, as of late, the fixtures have come thick and fast. I think it was something like three games in seven days, and I think you could certainly see towards the back end of that Mansfield game that fatigue um, is certainly playing a factor now. And ultimately, we haven't got a big score, so we're not in the having the luxury of being able to rotate players. Um, I said on the group chat um, to you boys, you know, and I'm not defending Dumbly because, I mean, well, like you've said, we, we all know, but he was absolutely knackered to, for the last 15, 20 minutes. And I actually physically saw him throw up at one point, which I think, you know, and with the absence now of Jamie Sterry, I mean, it's... Like I say, I don't like to make excuses, but I think fatigue is starting to play a factor. So the, the quicker we do get bodies through the door, 
you know, the better it will be for HUFC. But moving on to the preview, obviously tomorrow is Harrogate at home, New Year's Day. And we do look to return to winning ways as we kick off 2023 with this home fixture. This will be our opposition's third trip to the Suit Direct Stadium this season after encounters in both the Papa John's Trophy and the FA Cup. Pools currently in 21st place in League Two, four points behind the visitors, having played a game more. We come into the game on the back of a defeat against Mansfield, which ended our two-game winning run against Rochdale and Crawley. And Harrogate's 1-0 defeat at Bradford City on Thursday ended their three-game winning streak in League Two. Pools have come out on top in both home meetings against Harrogate this season, winning 2-0 in the Papa John's Trophy before a 3-1 victory in the second round of the FA Cup, thanks to a Josh Omera brace. In the previous league meeting, finally, at the Envirovent Stadium, Town came out on top 2-1 thanks to first-half goals from Jack Muldoon and Alex Patterson. And with that comes the ultimate question to you, Jack. It is, of course, your prediction for tomorrow's game. Well, as I've said, I think we should be going into this one with confidence. I'm much more confident of us getting three points than I was on Thursday heading into that one. We've shown we can beat teams recently. We've shown what we're capable of. I'm going to go with the New Year's starting with a massive three points helping to pull us further up the table and it's going to be Hartlepool United 2, Harrogate Town nil. Clean sheet as well. Not quite sure who's going to score as you famously, well, probably not famously, but famously said last well, week, whoever fancies chipping in, we'll go with that one. So, um, yeah, I, I genuinely think it'll be interesting to see if we make any signings before the game um, and whether they're registered in time because it all depends on, I think there's pre-contract agreements and stuff dependent on that so we'll see with that one but I'm hoping at least one sign might come in maybe even as early tomorrow you never know do you so let's hope for three points and maybe even a new signing Devil, what are you thinking? No you don't but I'd expect more signings after but like I say I love the element of surprise however it's going to be an interesting game this very interesting um, Harrogate are going to be up for us we should be up for it but obviously I think given we lost Mary due to illness, we've lost Steary. I'm going to go 2-1 to HUFC. I think it's time now. I think I mentioned our group chat, actually. Umara, he's been on a bit of a run now of games without a goal in League 2. I think it's eight, nine games without a goal. I think it's time for Umara to get back on the score sheet. Maybe Hamlin as well. Or like you've just said, if anyone else fancies chipping in, feel free. Feel free, but 2-1 polls, 2023, we'll start with a win. Positively from the start, that's what we like. And we'll finish the episode there, as we did with the Christmas episode. We want to wish you all a very happy and you know, successful 2023 to every single one of our listeners. Of course, Davo to my second family. I'm wishing you you guys a very happy new year. Um, and fingers crossed when we next produce a podcast, which we're not going to tell you um, when it'll be produced, but we know um, ourselves. Keep your eyes peeled for that one. But as ever, 
keep the faith, back the boys, and never say die. We will see you in the next episode. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.